What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Middle call! Hey, behaves! Or should I say, Middle Hawaiian cough! <laughs> Just in my lay. How about Lamar Jackson and those six touchdowns on Monday Night Football? Whoa, how about that? <laughs> Whoa. This I, you know, Goss 5 weren't too shabby either. <laughs> what a shootout. <laughs> Whoa, what a game! Niners going to get tested next week. Tell you that much. Oh, yeah. That's, that's pretty clear. <laughs> Yeah, All right, this, keep this, keep it rolling. This uh, this podcast recorded before we saw Monday Night Football because Middlecoff's on a plane on Tuesday to Hawaii. Hawaii, I'm Hawaii. excited. You know, my brother's been there a ton. Even the Habermans have been there multiple times in the last couple of years. It was just time for uh, you know John to get some rays, kick his feet up. There you go. And I'll be tweeting and and sending out links. But we had to do a podcast for the people. That's right. For the people. And there will be one on Friday after Thanksgiving. And there will be one on Sunday for Monday. There will be one next Monday. So, podcast never sleeps. No, it doesn't. Just like uh, John Harbaugh probably on the flight home because they landed about 8 in the morning. That's right. If you're, uh, if you're new to the podcast because you jumped on board after I put it on my SoundCloud after my Bosa sack went viral on Monday, welcome. It's good to have you. Thanks to what, Richard Sherman for the retweet. <laughs> what was that joke with the SoundCloud? I didn't quite follow. Well, quite somebody tweeted SoundCloud. at me, like, when you go viral, this thing might be over. I might get an okay boomer on this. I don't know. But when you go viral, for whatever, you then add, like, a link to stuff that you do so people can see what else. Like, oh, while well, you guys are seeing my stuff, here's my SoundCloud if you want to check out my music. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, I, th- I that makes sense. I could have thrown up a GoFundMe. You know, or something. But so somebody tweeted at me. He's like, dude, this is where you throw up your SoundCloud. And I was like, oh, I don't have a SoundCloud. And that's what you do. And then it Just reply with the link to the podcast. That's what I did. I said, I don't have a SoundCloud, oh. but here's my podcast. I got you. So when everyone's retweeting, they see the next tweet from you connected that's, in the that's thread. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. I don't know if people do that anymore or if it's just like that's been memed to death. Because then a couple of people started replying, like just laughing. So, how was Richard's? How was Richard's distribution channel for your tweet? Pretty strong, pretty strong. <laughs> yeah, Richard blew it up. 
Appreciate yeah, he that. Just do a, he just Sherman. do a just a plain retweet. Straight retweet, which I appreciate. Yeah, he's not messing around. That's cool. It was so. uh, You got a good angle on that one. Whenever you're on top of a good tweet video, you know, Will Brinson's been king of this for a long time. You got to just be locked in at the TV and be ready at any moment. That guy, a worldwide Rob or whatever, Wob, he yeah. does the same shit. <laughs> uh, but he changes his name all the I time. Know. It's, you know, so I know. So I can't even keep up. I guess, is he sleeping with Jeannie Buss? They're always like out and about, you know. Kudos to him. I don't know. But yeah, you just, you hit a sweet spot. And the key is just to get one. That's right. I mean, you're an influencer, but an influencer, influencer to kind of give you a retweet, and then it's on. Because think right. how many Richard Sherman followers are probably Seattle fans, right? Over the years. Yeah, Wouldn't true. you imagine? Now, he's a pretty just national brand, so I'd imagine he's got followers from everywhere. Uh, yeah, I'm expecting to hear from Skip minute now Bayless yeah yeah <laughs> of talking shit yeah now that you know now that I clearly am on a side not his <laughs> yeah who would you take prime Revis prime Sherman Ooh, good question John prime Sherman uh love Richard huge fan always have been prime Revis I mean for his like three-year span is and people in the NFL and when I got to the NFL that was prime Revis they said, beside Dion, they've never seen anything like it. Because unlike Richard, he was he had elite speed. And uh, I remember we played him when when we had Deshaun Jackson. And after three series, he gets on the phone, and Lewis Riddick was the advanced scout, and he calls up to the box, or they call down to Deshaun, and he goes, what's up with the go route? And he said, I can't shake this motherfucker. He's in my back pocket the whole time. And this is, Deshaun's still fast. But back then, he was really fast, fast. And and Revis, what's crazy about Revis is he didn't look like he was running that fast, but the motherfucker was just smooth right next to you. I love Richard again, but Revis is, uh, of our lifetime, I'd say second best corner. Richard's not far behind. You put Dion one. Is that what you're saying? A clear one. And I can't speak to all the guys from the 70s and 80s, which, you know, Belichick's of the world and the Al Davises and the... Bill Walsh's. I mean, they were great players, right? Right. The Willie Brown, some of those type guys. Even Ronnie Lott, I didn't really see him play. Rod Woodson in his peak was, you know, like late 80s, early 90s was elite. I mean, there have been special players. Just in my football watching, I'd, I'd put Dion one, Revis two, and Sherman be right up there too. But Sherman's a different type player, wouldn't you say? He's kind of a unique – he's like a linebacker meets corner. <laughs> Because he crushes fucking people. Yeah, I, but if you're, I would just want him on my team, right? Yeah. I'd yes. give up a little just to have him, that guy. But I think, but Revis, he was a part of teams that went to he multiple was, AFC championships, the best defense teams. in the league. No doubt. You, you, you remember, you could not throw to his side. He'd follow whoever. Great nickname. Revis Island, yeah. Revis Island. I mean, incredible nickname. Yeah, now, you great. could argue if if peak Richard, now part of Revis' hype he did play in New York. Now, granted, on good teams, if you imagine Richard Sherman with that personality in New York, I mean, he'd be, he already is one of the biggest personalities we've ever seen, but would it have been amplified about tenfold? He just kind of owns the, he just talks. Right. Like Draymond. I, he reminds me a little bit of Draymond. All right, this that would podcast, be my John. Basketball count. I like it. This podcast brought to you by Untuck It. Wear it to your Thanksgiving meal Thursday and the leftover meal on Friday. 
And like, if you're like me, you're having a second Thanksgiving on Saturday. Wear it to that meal too. Untuckit.com. Promo code is ham. Get 20% off your first order. Guy, they have button-ups. They have collared shirts. They have just regular like long sleeve shirts. They've sent me jeans in the past. They, they really have it all. They do have There's t-shirts. Nothing, yeah. They have t-shirts. They, they have a lot of different stuff. Untuckit.com on Haberman and Middlecoff. Promo code HAM. 20% off. we got the holidays coming up. You want to get your brother something. You want to get your dad something. You want to get tell your wife to get you something. Tell your girlfriend to get you something. Check it out. The 20% off is a game changer. They have 50 stores around the country. You can go check out uh, literally Guy Haberman swing by his house on Union Street. They have one in San Francisco. Untuckit.com, promo code HAM. I've had multiple orders. Taken Untuckit with me actually to Hawaii so I can uh, take some shameless plug pictures. Well, I'll say this too. Holidays coming up. uh, You're like, man, Untuckit has changed the game for me. Maybe you already have one. They have boys shirts now too. Maybe a little matchy-matchy for the holidays, huh? Ooh. You want to go to go to go to church, a little matchy-matchy? The synagogue? Match it up? Christmas morning? Be like Dad? Uh, untuckit.com, promo code HAM. There you go. Are you going to the synagogue? A game time decision. Yeah. For the that, uh, that would be, when 20th does, when year in a row. Start? Not sure exactly I mean, on the how, date this year. You know, it's not like how Christmas many, how, the same day every year. Yeah, it's a rotating date. How many synagogue trips... The last 20 years for you. December 22nd. Um, boy, I made it 20 years. So that includes high school, which means, you know, I still live in my parents' home. Yeah, there you go then. If you went post-college, like post-high school, boy, we are under five probably. Was there ever a call home at college claiming you went when no, you really no. didn't? No. My parents weren't too concerned about it. That's good. Uh, it looks like did you learn? Uh, did you learn Hebrew for the bar mitzvah? I remember Noah Burkoff, my best friend at the time, when he got his bar mitzvah. It was an intense class he took to learn that bad boy. Uh, you know, I I didn't, but my mom spoke it in the house. She's from Israel, so we it was my first language. Not very good yeah. at it though, but gotten worse. I've actually language? I've gotten worse every year. I mean, it was the first yeah. language I spoke, but then I stopped speaking it, and now it's it was one, but. Nobody remembers, you know, it's like, yeah, the prototype. It would be a game changer, though, for you. You just meeting powerful people, throw out a couple words. Yeah. You know, it's like being a manager in baseball. You can speak, you're a white guy, you can speak a little Spanish. All of a sudden, you're just, you're separating yourself. I've always right? told, I've always said, like, if I was a major league broadcaster, I would learn Spanish immediately. If you're a, a manager. I you, think you say that, and I don't think you would. I would, without question, I would. You would take, what's it called? Uh, yes. The little the thing? The box, the yellow box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It teaches Abs- you like a word at a time. Without question. Because again, all you'd have to learn is like because you would have su- 50% you have such a, of the basics. You have such a leg up just because like the guy would talk even, to you. Yeah. So many of the great players speak predominantly Spanish. Anyway. Or, or, the, or they do the classic like Ichiro, pa, you know, Pablo doesn't do it as much anymore. They, uh, no, no speaking English. It's like, bro, you, I'm just talking to you in English. All, you just all, don't want to do the interview. All Ichiro's <laughs> teammates say he's very good at it. Well, I, honestly, if I was an NFL or NBA player, that would be like, a, like no speaking English. No. <laughs> Translator. <laughs> That'd be genius. You go play in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, podcast also brought to you by My Bookie. 
mybookie.ag. Promo code is ham in the numeral one. Thanksgiving is upon us. And my bookie has, I mean, really a deal you can't ignore for Thanksgiving, John. No, you can bet up to $250, right, on this Bears-Lions game. I, I just signed into my bookie, and right now they have the Thanksgiving Day promo. Bears at Lions, $250, risk-free bet. How do you beat that guy? It's really a, you can't lose. Bears, Lions, Bears right now, minus two on the road. Jeff Driscoll, short week. You know, over-unders, barely, not even 40. Uh, I'd get on it. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM and the number one. Also, if you want to bet on the side, they'll give you a 50% add-on bonus. So if you put in 100 bucks, they'll add 50. You put in $500, they'll add 250. We got multiple, obviously. You know, when we were growing up, it felt like there were two Thanksgiving games. There was always whoever the Lions played in the morning. And then it felt like typically the Cowboys in the afternoon. And some randomly, sometimes the Cowboys would play the Lions. But that, that feels definitely really rare in this day and age. So you always get the Lions home game. Then you get a Cowboys game. And then just, I think the NFL realized, goddamn people like football is just throwing an extra night game. And it sucks because it is an AFC or NFC South game. But stuff to bet on. New Orleans at Atlanta, minus seven. Bills at Cowboys, Bears at Lions. So pretty shitty Thanksgiving, but not that bad. If you're at mybookie.ag, promo code HAM1, you want to gamble on it a little. Yep, there you go. I might do it and then bet on the Bears just so I know what it's really like to be a Bears fan and feel that that agony. That's not a bad idea. I'm going to do that too. Okay, we'll do it together. I'm going to do that too. <laughs> MyBookie.ag, risk-free, promo code HAM1. But uh, you can decline that HAM1 bonus. We appreciate you putting the promo code either way. You can decline the bonus. You can still do the risk-free bet on uh, Bears and Lions. All right. Peter King. For shizzle. Remember when Peter King was once upon a time a weekly radio guest? He was. Back when we did good terrestrial fr- radio. Good friend of the program. And uh, he did his Monday morning uh, quarterback. On NBC now. He on NBC. moves some venues. <laughs> and uh, is it called something different now? I, that's yeah, what I, I think I it's like football it. morning in America yeah. quarterback. You know, it's just because Albert Breer... You know, clearly yes. Peter didn't own the MMQB brand because SI, who's kind of wiping out their staff, has kept it. In fairness, so, Albert Brewery does a good job. He does. So, Peter King, there's a bunch of stuff. He wrote a lot about the Niners. Uh, but one quote. He was one, there. One little nugget stood out above the rest. You want me to read it? Sure. Scott Pioli. I don't have the quote. Do you have oh. the quote in front of you? <laughs> Scott Pioli, but I didn't. I didn't want to mess it up. Said of, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but he said of Kyle Shanahan. He he said he's the closest thing to Bill Belichick in his experience around Kyle. He has similarities to Bill Belichick. They parallel each other, and you know, I think there's two ways to look at it. One, it's pretty bold praise, right? That's just comparing to a guy that's won that many Super Bowls. Here's the exact quote. I've never met a coach who reminds me of Bill Belichick as much as Kyle. Remember, for a long, long period of time, Scott Pioli was viewed as, would you say, like Chris Ballard on steroids before he took the Colts job? Like, oh, Chris Ballard. We got to interview Chris Ballard. Oh, we got to get Chris Ballard. It's rare. Like, it happens with coaches all the time 
Lincoln Riley now for a while, Matt Rule now for a while. It happened with with Kyle kind of for a couple years. It happens with McDaniels. It doesn't happen that often with executives, and he was Belichick's right-hand guy for a long period of time, won Super Bowls. And so he he knows Belichick pretty intimately. Do you know he's married, Pioli, to Parcells' daughter? Yeah. So he's pretty, like, he's had a pretty good front-row seat to some high-level dudes in this league. I don't think he's just using that. He's just throwing that at the wall because he just, it sounds good. I've met Pioli. When I was actually at, you were there too, at Fresno State. Uh, Pat, I don't think, people in the in the football office knew, but not all of them knew that I was with, like, because you were the main media guy who's, like, crushing Pat, you know, and it was Whoa, just. Whoa, I was not crushing Pat. Not I was crushing Pat, but, you know, you'd be critical, and, you know, small town, kind of elephant in the room, like, you know, people would be driving around, and Haberman be taking shots, and, you know, Pioli, there was. Uh, I, great, I truly have great respect for Pat, as I know you the, do. The Patriots played the Raiders, and then they played the San Diego Chargers at the time, and they stayed at San Jose State, so Pioli drove over to come scout some players and hang out with Pat. He knew him from back when Pat was with the Browns. And he just showed up. I remember he showed up in a pair of, like, sweats and sandals. It was like, God, the Patriots really don't dress up at all. I mean, he just looked like a disaster. You know, like an untucked Patriot shirt, sweats, and, and like, uh, you know, plastic sandals. It was just like, God, this guy doesn't give a shit. And, like, I, I put some stock into that praise. I also think, and I thought about this this morning, there is a unique advantage that certain people have in any industry, right? Like if your dad's Warren Buffett and you go into the financial world, that's going to be part of your vernacular that a different guy that just becomes a finance major finds out he loves it and then becomes great at it. He's going to be behind the eight ball compared to you. I remember when I got into the NFL, it hit me immediately. Like I don't like football as much as these guys. Hmm. And I'd say I'm on like of the percentile of humans that consume football, I'm near the top. Right. But when you talk about like one percenters in this world, you know you're a one percenter if you make like five hundred grand. Well, there's a big difference between being a one percenter making five hundred grand and like Stan Kroenke being a one percenter, right? So even once you get to the NFL, some of these coaches that love football. Like I don't think any head coach in football doesn't love football. But is it their singular focus, their life? And you could say for Belichick, guy, he's coached at the NFL since 1975. His father wrote the first scouting manual on football as he was like an assistant coach at Army when Belichick was in like junior high. Anyone that's read anything about Belichick knows this guy's like, he's the ultimate quote unquote football life. Kyle little different because his dad was an actual NFL head coach. But his dad was a fucking NFL head coach when he was growing up in junior high and high school. Even remember, he was the ball boy when he was 12 years old for the 94 49ers when his dad was the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. There is a a way you think. In a, like when I was growing up, when I was like 12 years old, if I was going to go to work with my dad for the day, like I was on spring break, he'd have to do something. We would go to like the fields to make sure the harvest was going right. Or like, we'd have to swing by the bank and drop off a check. You know, you going to your dad, to whatever he's doing, like any human, you know, well, or your mom. You know, I'll compare it to what we were just talking about. I think if you learn a language when you're three and talk it your whole life, I think you probably know that language differently than somebody who becomes quote-unquote fluent in that language at 
23 or 33. That doesn't mean the person can't become fluent. That's right. It doesn't mean they can't, doesn't mean that everybody who learns at 33 can't be better than someone who learned it at three or they can't be fluent or they can't be great. But I do think there's, there's just an opportunity for you to know it just to have it so ingrained in you. You're right. Well, I also think it's why coaches like players whose dads are like high school coaches, right? It'd be like a positive on Kellen Moore. Where if they all get fired, we'll talk about the Cowboys later. I'm betting on Kellen Moore right? just like giving up on football, right? <laughs> like you're going to be hearing about Kellen Moore's name for a long period of time. Whether that's continue to be in the NFL, whether he goes to college. I bet he becomes a pretty good coach. I, I, I feel pretty confident betting on that. He's been around, his dad was a high school coach. They've just been around football their whole life. There is a huge difference though to me like the high school guy and the NFL guy. I mean, Kyle has been around. There's a numbness to just, yeah, it was just like I was handing Steve Young balls at practice. I was just, John Elway used to throw me passes when I was in high school. I used to go into the, like for drafts, leading up to the draft, I used to go in with my dad to the office on Saturday just to watch like a handful of prospects just to catch up on. And then we'd, you know, hit the trainer room and, you know, get a lift. I, I don't know, there's just... A an experience that like Tiger Woods why was he so ready for the Masters at 19 well he'd been playing in legit tournaments since he was like 8 years old he had been entering the best of the like he played in a PGA tournament when he was 16 years old because of all the work he'd put in previously like everyone I remember when Shanahan got the job as an offensive coordinator with Houston people were like god he's a little young at the time yeah. he was like 28 and it was like, is Kubiak just doing this because he's Shanahan's guy? Do you know what it turns out? I bet Kubiak would say he's probably the most unique late 20s coach I've ever seen. Like he was just talking about shit that I'm a former player, backup. When I was in my late 30s, I wasn't quite thinking of it like that. Right? And I always see like, well, these other guys have been putting in the time. Yeah, well, Kyle would say I've been putting in the time since I was five. Like it's my life. This isn't, this isn't. A passion project. Like, this is all I think about all the time. And I do think there are similarities there with Belichick. Like, he he's all-consuming, you know? Which, again, I don't relate to. You don't relate to. Most humans don't relate to. When it, Just talking about the one's football. Like, my problem is I just like other sports a lot. I like doing other shit. I get bored of football sometimes. Like, I can't just watch all 22 tape. It's like, fuck, I'd rather look at Twitter. Like, it puts me to sleep. It doesn't put Kyle to sleep. It invigorates him. Yeah, but you still have to be. I don't know. Yeah, like, then there then there are a bunch of other. You can't just watch tape. Like all coaches watch tape. Well, but so he was around a really good leader. Mike was clearly a really good leader, right? Strong personality. I would say uh, when you watch Kyle talk, clearly he is somewhat reserved, but you can see the sense of humor. Yes, I don't know if you saw him in the locker room after the game on Sunday night. But he's just, he knows how to, he's, he said to him, basically, he's holding the game ball. He's like, no, nah, I didn't plan this, but I just gave it a little bit of thought. And, like, the whole room gets quiet. And he's like, and you guys get victory Monday. And they go nuts. You know, nothing makes a locker room go nuts more than giving them a Monday off. But just the way he delivered it, he clearly knows how to talk to a room of guys. And I think part of that has to be, that. that's where I also think being his father's son is probably really advantageous. Just understanding, particularly as a guy who was not an NFL player, and we talk about this more like 
in basketball or baseball than we do in football. I think there's more coaches in football who aren't high-level NFL players. But still, Kyle knows what the perception probably is, right, from someone who doesn't know anything about him. You're here because of your dad. But you don't get this far because of your dad. You might get an opportunity. Um, So I think from that standpoint, like he learned pretty early how to just talk to players, how to be around players, what they need from you in order to give you respect. That's probably the first hurdle. And I, and the greatest advantage he has in that is that he's really, really good. Like that's his greatest advantage on a lower level. Now we'll see if Kyle can accomplish what Rex accomplished. He went to multiple AFC championship games, had the number one defense in the New York with the jets beat Belichick in a playoff game. Like people talk about Rex, like he's kind of a village idiot. You and I have kind of always defended him. And again, I'm not acting like he's Belichick. But look at Rex. He grew up around Buddy, who was known at the time as like one of the best defensive coaches in the 70s and 80s, was the defensive mastermind of the 85 Bears. Wasn't there just a built-in advantage for Rex? Even as And Rex was much more of a fuck-around guy, and clearly Rob, too, when they were young. Maybe even talked about it. But... They were just around players, around defense, around scheming. And then on top of that, like clearly Rex is higher level than Rob. Like Kyle feels higher level than both, just from a maturity standpoint, just the way he carries, conducts himself. To me, you just... And the other thing, like Buddy wasn't a great head coach. I just Googled Mike Shanahan. Even despite his shitty time in Washington... He is 170 and 138. He won eight playoff games. He played in 14 playoff games. So, I mean, you're talking about a high-level coach. Not like made the playoffs once. Playoffs several years, Super Bowls, tons of regular season wins, countless double-digit win seasons. Like, you, you can have an outlier year, right? The one year we won 11 games, we won a playoff game. But if you coach for 10 years, can you make the playoffs six or seven times? Can you win? Can you get to one Super Bowl, right? Can you do just consistency of winning? So they, there is like his dad was a high, high level coach. Well, ultimately was undone, I think, in Denver with some of his power stuff. And that's I, I, maybe Kyle can learn from that, right? Remember Maurice Claret? He drafted him and that failed. And then there was a quarterback situation that kind of fucked him up. Did he draft Jay Cutler? I think he did. And then Josh got rid of him the next year, remember? Um, I mean, look, three-time Super Bowl champion Steve Belichick is going to have an opportunity, right? The question is, is he a hard enough worker? Is he a smart enough coach? But he's going to have the opportunity. Would you say that it's a borderline lock that Steve Belichick will get head coaching offers before he's 38? He's like 30 right now. Well, he's 34. Oh, he is? Well, is he? Maybe right. Maybe he's already. No, no, no. He's 32. He's 32. I thought he was a couple years younger. Yeah, he's 32. So I don't know if it's quite what year, what age did you say? I said 40 before 40, oh, okay. 38. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it'll come back to there will have to be other where it will. Uh, will another coach who leaves Bill to become a head coach then try to hire Steve as one of his coordinators? Right. I mean, this is kind of what eventually Kyle had to leave the nest. And he had impressed enough people along the way because so many people respected Mike and I work with Mike. Steve is going to – there's a million college and NFL assistants, I'm sure, that come through in the offseason and watch film or Bill goes there and Steve goes with them. 
So he's going to have the opportunity to impress people. You know, he was Greg Schiano's long snapper in 11. I didn't know that. I, did, I, I knew that, yeah. Honorable mention, all-league lacrosse player in high school. I would say for him, Kyle never went to the nest, remember? He started away, and then they linked up later. Where, could he just get a head job from his dad? I, I would say, would you agree that... Josh McDaniels is be, his OC? It would be hard to see him getting a job just from Bill. He probably would have to go be someone's defensive coordinator and do a good job, and then if one year he'd get hired, right? If like the Cowboys, yeah, I mean, unless, here's the one scenario, right? McDaniel's is gone. Bill is retiring. Bill tells the Crafts, "Steve's your guy." Don't you do that if you're the Crafts? Yes, you do it, right? Because Bill has nailed. So many decisions in the history of your franchise. And you'd like to think Bill's been pretty heartless in all his decisions. I would if he didn't think Steve th- could do it, would he tell you Steve could do it? Probably not. I, 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 if McDaniels was gone, I think you could justify keeping Steve Belichick and have Belichick just be like the consultant, right? It'd just be a tandem of Belichick. You think Bill can tell do, tell me Bill one can person. If you said, if you did a poll right now, you said you can just go with Josh McDaniels when Belichick retires and Bill just leaves. And Bill just severs ties in terms of like he's no longer going to be helping them out. Or you can name Steve Belichick. Bill will continue to live in the area and be a quote-unquote consultant and help him out along the way with player acquisition and shit. But Steve will be the head coach. I think the average New England fan would be like, all right with Belichick. Yeah. Because I would. I'd be like, McDaniels did pick Uber Flus. He was right about that guy. He was. The Uberflu's been a good hire. For Josh McDaniels. For Yeah, now Frank Reich. Crazy. That's the crazy part about football. I remember it was like, God, Uberflu's is getting screwed over. Well, you know, when you're good, it turns out like people just keep you. Now, he didn't really have a choice there because he was already under contract. But I'm just saying, like, Frank's like, God, this guy's really good. Why would I even – who else am I going to hire? Right. I do think for Belichick – It'd be hard, and I don't blame Steve. Like, I'm really going to leave the Patriots as long as my dad's here and we're kicking the shit out of everybody to go just prove myself. Like, like I'm life's pretty good. So, but who, I, I, so, some people would probably push, like, that's the move you need to make to really separate yourself. Who are the other guys, if we said who's the closest thing to Belichick? I mean, Sean, just who are the best coaches in the NFL? Sean Payton, Pete Carroll, yeah, I, Sean McVay was on that level but not for long I, well I think so. there's the I think there's the four older guys right behind Belichick that are kind of in their own crew right I would put Sean Payton Andy Reid Pete Carroll and John Harbaugh you could you know argue yeah I mean now comment. you're talking about resume like who would you really hire to coach your football team would you go Harbaugh as fast as you would go Sean Payton to me like really really it's would like you take Andy Sean- Reid over John Harbaugh Yes, put them in order. Well, I, I need you to be able to co- call one of the sides of the offense or defense. So, so would you go Sean Payton after Bill? Yes. And then would you right, go Pete. Andy ahead of? Would you just said you need well, him to I call mean, something? Pete, Pete basically calls the defense. Okay, too, so then so you'd so go I, Pete, and then Andy, or or vice versa, and then Andy. Well, that because that John. would be the. the that would be the thing with John and Tomlin. Well, it's like you don't call the offense, you don't call the defense. You are great motivators. 
Mike, you're just the coolest looking coach. But fucking Harbaugh's king of swords, you know, at halftime. But again, like go back to really what Pioli's talking about. He's talking about the Belichick. Well, what is Bill? Bill is in charge of everything. Okay. Harbaugh does not pick the players in Baltimore. No. Andy does. Pete could. Pete does. Andy really doesn't anymore. But but, I know. But but I just mean like. If if there's a power struggle over players, like yeah, Andy no has the power, <laughs> like Andy, yeah. part of the reason he doesn't is because, like he has learned how to do it right, and then he's got some good guys with him. Same with same for Pete, like he trusts John Snyder, but really, if it came time to drop in the hammer, and that's Kyle's kind of in that position where it's like, are we gonna get to the point where it's like, yeah, we, yes, Kyle could do whatever he wants, but he does let John let. I feel funny saying that, but. Like, John Lynch clearly, and I would say even to this point, John Lynch clearly has had an impact on who they've signed, who they've drafted, particularly, like, the Ruben Foster situation, right? Like, that was a guy you say liked. The, wouldn't you say the biggest key, and I think Belichick, that's where I'd say Belichick's a little bit of an outlier, his knowledge, like, his dad wrote the scouting manual. Where I think Kyle would be closer to, like, a Pete or Andy, where if he can trust the John Lynch Adam Peters combo to help him out, he'll be in really good shape. Bill, to me, is this all-time outlier that doesn't need any help. Like, literally, if Casario had never existed, if Pioli had never existed, I don't think much would have changed. Where I do think Pete, Pete would even tell you, and there have been articles written about it when John said we should take Russell Wilson, his first reaction was like, that little guy? Right? He had to be talked in by John. And it's, I would imagine. Ten years later, Pete would say it's the best thing I've fucking ever done. Because you'd say in the history of his quarterbacks, right, the shortest quarterback Pete ever liked at SC was Barkley. And he was like six two and a half, six three, and he was kind of a, like liner's huge, booty was huge, like Sanchez is tall. They were recruiting prototypical guys. And I think Andy I would say Andy and Peyton, because they're offensive guys, when you're a defensive guy. You're a little more, we need tall corners. We need pass. Like, you have sp- position-specific shit where, where offensive guys are like, well, if I can catch touchdowns, I'll throw it to Taysom Hill or I'll throw it to Tyreek Hill or I'll throw it to Deshaun Jackson or I'll throw it to Ted. G-. They don't give a shit. They just want to score points. Where on defense, it's hard to have a press corner who's 5'8". Right. It's just not going to work. So I think you think about it, and Belichick's like this too, they're a little, and Saban's huge into this, like, position-specific shit. Where offensive coaches can be a little open-minded just naturally. Because it's like, well, our speed guy's going to be tiny. If our quarterback can get it done, I don't care how tall he is. You know, they just, it's different. I think you think about the game a little differently. And that's, maybe the better comp would be Kyle's an offensive Belichick. Because it is different. Now, wouldn't you say Belichick is pretty open-minded with his players on defense? Like, Winovich. He's like, that doesn't... Winovich is not exactly the prototypical pass rusher, but Bill's just like, this guy can play. Yeah, but the second you watched him play football, you'd be like, we've talked about this. Like, oh, really? Winovich ended up with the Patriots? Stunner. But, but I just mean in a vacuum, you just watch Winovich sure. and go, that's, he's a really good player. But then you see, like, he's barely 6'2", you know, he's a white guy. Yeah, you're like, yeah, that guy's going to be a Patriot. But he's just a good football player. Well, I think a lot of teams in the NFL probably liked Winovich. And they just end their report with, he's just not a fit for our team. Because he's not big enough. He's not. A lot, of, a lot of teams do that. They just have physical requirements. Where I think, if you wanted to use a basketball analogy, you know, like, do you see this a lot now when you call college games that it's become really positionless? 
Or is college still pretty, like, set in stone with one through five? Uh, no, I mean, it's definitely more. There's a lot more switching defensively, trying to switch one through five. But I would say there is also – there are some guys that are just like – like, even this year right now in the Pac-12, there are some really good bigs. Now, they're they're not plotters. Like, they're athletic guys. So but they yeah, will throw it to him in the post and let him eat. Yes, but coaches definitely have tried. It's just – it's hard. <laughs> it's harder, yeah. Because that would be Kyle would just be really open-minded. And that's probably Bill's greatest strength as he is. Because you would say Pete Carroll has a legitimate defined defense where Bill does not. And, and, and Bill changes Kyle does. Kyle has an offense. Yeah, I would love to see Belichick against the Niner run game, right? Would you like, like to see Patriots massive. Niners? Do you think that would do pretty good numbers? Yeah, I, I think it would. I think it would do well. I think it would do well. So, I, I do think what's good for people like us that are like, I'm telling you, I think Kyle's really good. I think Kyle's really good. But you get to like year three. Well, eventually you got to win. And that's what good coaches do. He. I think he hasn't just won this year. He's kind of kicked the shit out of people, right? And that's just one of his first year of, like, next year. Let's say they get a one or two seed, they win a game, and they lose in the NFC Championship. Well, next year there's going to be expectations, but as long as he goes double-digit wins in the playoffs, like, that's being Belichick. Every year, be in the mix. Every year, be in the mix. Now, the AFC, a little like the East in basketball historically, is a little easier because of his division. Like, you're not going to win... Even like you see the Chiefs this year, like winning 12, 13 games every year, it's really not normal. And I'm as big of a Belichick Patriot defender as anyone, but they do have a built-in advantage with their division for the most part. Has consistently had two of the three teams he's playing have been shitty on given years, right? Right. He rarely has where, you know, two of the three are competitive. Two of the three have been bad. And then even the good one typically is like a flawed good. It's like, yeah, the Bills are going to be 10 win team, but they can't score on offense. And Frank Gore at 40 years old is their starting running back. Right. Like, well, I'll take my chances. Like, the Niners are getting their third worst team is the fucking Rams, who by the time you listen to this might have won or might have lost that Monday night game. But they got a ton of good players. And if your worst team is Kyler Murray, like that's, the Niners' division is going to be difficult for a couple years, right? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be hard to be consistently 5 and 1 in the division, let alone 4 and They're 2. Go- they could have a year where they go ten and six and go three and three in the division, right? Because yeah. wouldn't you say one of these years and it, with Kyler, like Arizona's getting some of these teams? I actually think it might happen down the stretch. Could Arizona get Seattle or, or L.A.? It's just a unique matchup. It's not. They're not. I don't look at them like a shitty team, like I do the no Dolphins or the Redskins. They're just no. they have a dangerous quarterback, right? Yeah. Uh, so this is before Monday Night Football, mybookie.ag, Super Bowl odds. We were talking about these on the last podcast on Monday. They weren't updated yet. What do you got? Well, I got four Pats. teams. Okay. Yeah, I got four I got four teams that are single-digit kind of favorites, you know, below 10 to 1. And every other team past these four teams, the Pats, Ravens, Niners, and Saints, are 10 to 1 plus. Obviously, the Packers took a huge hit. I would imagine if we looked at this on Friday, the Packers probably would have been like 7-8-1. to one. They got humbled. Pats, the heavy favorites, 3-1. to one. Which, to me, if I'm making Super Bowl odds for the last 10 years, 
I steadily put the Patriots somewhere five to one at the beginning of the season. I'd slowly move them up toward one to one as we get closer to the playoffs. Then you have the Ravens, who I would imagine when the season started, just a guess they would have been somewhere in the twelve to fifteen to one range. Yeah, maybe I, even a little higher. I would 18 say to higher. One. I'm tr- I was trying to let me see if I can find some preseason. They're now four to one. The Niners, who have to have taken the biggest jump since August to now, are the number are the highest rated NFC team at five to one, and then you have the Saints right behind them at six to one, and then everyone else like twenty to one, thirty to one. You get the Raiders right now like forty five to one. I, if you told me the Pats, I actually think the Pats three to one is pretty good value because if you just look at well, they're going to get a pretty easy game week one in the playoffs. Their week one is always after the bye. So they basically have to win two games. So if you can get them at 3-1, to one, that's just pretty good odds. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't look at the 3-1 to one and the Saints 6-1 to one is the same. So I don't have – these are not my bookies, so we're not comparing exactly the same thing. But uh, Pat's – this is pre This is from uh, August – it's from August 26th. Um, this is Pats at seven to one, Chiefs at eight to one, Saints at nine to one, Rams, Eagles, Chargers, Browns, <laughs> Bears, Packers, Steelers, blah blah blah, Seahawks thirty-two to one, Ravens thirty-two to one, Niners thirty-six to one. So from thirty-six to one to five to one, I, I think it's fair to say. Most places, the Niners were somewhere in the 30-to-1 range. Now, to start a season, odds are just bigger because there's so much unknown, so many variables. But 5-to-1, and we talked about this on Monday, Like you, you just watch them play and kick the shit out of talented teams. Like, even the Browns, who are kind of in shambles. But, like, you just watch them yesterday against the Dolphins. You realize they have a lot of good players. The Niners basically pulled down their pants and shit all over them. <laughs> It was like, you don't even belong on the same field as us. And then, to me, to do it to the Packers was just, the blueprint was more sustainable. Do not turn the ball over, and you can beat anybody. You can just beat anybody at home. I, uh, and that's why you get home field advantage. I, I think they have a legitimate chance to, to win two games in the playoffs. I saw this tweet from this guy who follows me, so maybe listens to the podcast, Murph, uh, Real Murph Dog 916 I see you, real Murph dog. His bio is, my mom plus my dad minus a condom equals me. Uh, anyway, he tweeted, uh, Aaron Rodgers did not complete a, uh, a pass that traveled 10-plus air yards. Maybe the rubber broke. You know? He was just, maybe you're adopted. He was 0 of 8 on attempts past 10 yards. Uh, the Niners have only allowed four 20-plus air yard completions the entire year. So I don't I don't know if uh, real Murph Dog like just did those stats by hand or he went he's got a PFF account but um, I did think watching back just some of the Niner game these guys are so fast off the line defensively up front can't part of that just be the fact that yeah the home field does matter a loud crowd does matter uh, and in the playoffs it'll be. Because if you don't have it, it means the other team does. It's not like everybody plays in a silent environment because it's neutral. It's either you have it or either they have it. There's no neutral. Yeah. So it's either you've got it or the Saints got it and it's loud as shit. Yeah. Right? 
This isn't like the Maui Invitational Duke versus Cal. Or whatever yeah, yeah, you're going to go? The, actually, I think there are some basketball games in Maui this week. Yeah, I mean, I might have to check it out. I was looking, like, are there any concerts or something to do? Uh, check on SeatGeek. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I think the, not, it, the Patriots are the safest bet. I think the Niners are pretty good value right now just because their coach is really good. Here would be the Belichick comp. The year they won the Super Bowl, now the first Super Bowl in 01, it got a little weird because of the, the tuck game. So they had to win a crazy-ass game, right? That was nuts. And they were – like, it would be pretty impossible if the Niners were in the Super Bowl. The Patriots, and it's still talked about to this day, how big of an underdog they were to the Rams. Remember, it was the greatest show on turf. That Rams team had already won a Super Bowl. No one even knew who the fuck Tom Brady was. It was – it wouldn't even be the same. Like, if he just made the – if the Niners made the Super Bowl, they wouldn't be sneaking up on people that way. Yeah. Who could they play where they would be – Bigger than like a two or three point underdog, right? It wouldn't really happen. I think the Patriots, that was a double digit game. Would they be a double digit? Would they be a five point underdog in the past? Uh, you know, like to me, would they be the if, underdog? if they play the Ravens and the Ravens beat them by 17, maybe some situation like that where you've get where you get a rematch with a team that's already kicked your butt? Um, what would the line be, Niners, Pats? That game's in Miami this year, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I. Pats by two. What's the what's the what's I mean, Niners are a one seed, so they're thirteen and three or fourteen and two. Yeah, yeah, I. I don't think it'd I think be more a, I think a lot two. of people would take. I think a lot of people would take the Niners like plus two or three, wouldn't you? I don't think it'd be three. I, I think it would be, be two be like one, most two and a half, one and a half. What would the game be to be the biggest line? Let's say the Ravens beat the Niners by like 20. It's clear running quarterbacks kind of throw off the Niners. Would that be like four or five? Let's say the Ravens kick the shit out of the Chiefs and they beat the shit out of the Pats. And you're like, God, the Ravens are just on, on one. Maybe that's like three or yeah, four. Yeah, just like some Lamar factor where you're like, this is one of the most dynamic teams all of a sudden we've ever seen. Yeah. What would you think if the Niners had to go now again what's cool about the Niners schedule is we're like well what would it look like if they play Green Bay what would it look like if they play Seattle what would it look like if they play New Orleans they're playing all these teams but let's assume the game's close that is crazy yeah they lose they lose in New Orleans but it's you know a single score game but then the Niners have to go there in the NFC championship game what would your line be there like let's say it's a 7 point game and the Niners didn't get you know, it wasn't like they didn't belong. They just lost. Four or five points? Or is it like seven? Let's say they lose by well, seven. Well, the Niners will have will have just beaten somebody. Put- Seattle, the Cowboys, someone. Yeah, see, I, again, I don't think it's seven. I think that, I think it'd be Niners at Saints, and it's like. Four and a half? I don't think it's more than four and a half. I think it's three. To me, pretty, if we saw that, guys. if the Niners had just beaten like. What would their road be like? The Packers and the Cowboys? The Seahawks? If they're the two seed or the three seed? Well, I don't know. I mean, if they're if they're at New that's the question, right? It's like, but let's, they're at New Orleans for the NFC Championship game. Then we would make New Orleans the one. But whatever. See, I, don't, I don't know if you get that much. Like, let's say the Cowboys are the four. Let's say the Cowboys, you know, beat Minnesota and the six seed 
would be playing, and let's say Seattle upsets Green Bay, so Seattle would go to New Orleans and the Niners host the Cowboys. You'll get a lot of credit for that one. Yeah, I just think people would be like, well, the Niners are better than Jason Garrett. Even though the Cowboys are good, but it you know wouldn't get as much credit if they beat like the Vikings, who just let's say house, let's say the Niners play the Vikings, let's say the the five and six seed wins, and the Niners are the two and the Saints are the one. They get the Vikings, who let's say beat the Cowboys by double digits. You're like, God, this game's gonna be a motherfucker, you know? Because we would be talking about all week. Let's say that's the scenario. Niners are the two seed. They're playing the Vikings, who just beat the Cowboys. We'd be like, this is a losable game, right? <laughs> this is going to be really hard. I'll tell you what, man. I think we're putting, we're making it. The, as I think about it, we're making it too much of a hypothetical. We've seen eleven weeks of the San Francisco 49ers. They're one of the best football teams in the NFL. Like their defensive well, that, that, front. That's is what ter- happens when you're terrifying. new, though, guy. It's no, just I know. Hard. Like I know, no one talks about the Patriots like this. I'm just saying, if all of a sudden we get to the NFC title game, and the the 49ers are in it. Just imagine the line opens and you look at the line. What line would make you go, oh, I'm betting on the Niners. I'm, I would take the Niners and the points. I think if you look down and they're getting five and a half points from the Saints, I think you'd take the Niners. Well, so I think you bring up a good point. If the Patriots had the Niners resume right now, 10-1, and one, blowing fucking teams out every week, just kicking the shit out of them. And their only loss was not to a team that they actually would have to compete with. It was more just like a free, like they just lost to the the Bills or some Eagles. Yeah, whatever. Eagles but in, but in overtime, game. just an incredible game. Monday night, slugfest. They lost. Crazy loss, whatever. Wouldn't they be the unequivocal, heavy, every single person like, yeah, they're winning it. They, it they'd be like be one question. They'd be like one to three right now. Let's say, let's say the Saints' resume was the Niners. Beating the shit out of people. Wouldn't you say they would be, maybe not Patriots level, but they would be probably like Three to one, too. They would be pretty heavy favorites. They're four games up on their own division. People are like, well, they've played some close games. They're cruising to a home field by cruise control. And they they have the most consistent home field advantage, right? We know yeah. what it is. It's yeah. consistently delivered. Even though McVay went in there and won last year. Yeah. But his team was better, I feel you, like. You just year. have to go be really good, though. I just think the my point is the playoffs, it's just... It's a kitchen sink game. So, like, the Niners can be unreal. And we've seen Harbaugh teams that are unreal. And you still play in just these slugfests. It's not... It's just... It's not like the regular season that way. It's it's rare that you just outman someone start to finish if they're good, too. You know? Once you get to the second and third round. Like, I think we see it sometimes in the AFC because there's a huge discrepancy. Doesn't it feel, for the most part, the last seven, eight years in the NFC, once you get to the second round, it's just, you better fucking have your A game. Like, it's hard to lose even when you're really good with, like, your B-minus game. Mm-hmm. You will lose with a B-minus game. It's hard to win, yeah. You, you probably, if you get a B-plus game and you're at home, you got a chance. But how many games, I just off the top of my head, that we've, game missed field goals, crazy shit happened in the NFC the last handful of years. Now, the Saints have been a part of, like, seven of them. <laughs> Same with Seattle and Minnesota. So what makes, to me, the NFC really fun, and I think when you think of, like, the NBA, Western Conference playoffs are a lot like that, right? Because they're just a lot of good teams. <laughs> when you're playing the best, it's hard to win. That's why the Pats are like, fuck, we, we love the AFC. Come to Foxborough. We'll be here. I know. 
Nice little advantage. Maybe it'll be raining. Maybe it'll be 12 degrees. Maybe it'll be snowing. Yeah, we'll be ready. Uh, before we move on, John, let's tell the people about Ease. Uh, you are listening to this. If you listened on the day this podcast got released, on the big day, not Thanksgiving, Green Wednesday. Little cough. Green Wednesday with Ease and EaseWellness.com. It's been a week of nothing but deals every day. Guy, is there any better way to get ready for Turkey Day? Stuffing, mashed potatoes, uh, some of those warm, hot rolls to dip oh, in the, the potatoes, bread, to fill bread. with some turkey, to then dip in the peas with some gravy and just a, uh, with a good Green Wednesday start to your day. Get ready, Green Wednesday, right into, uh, you know, we'll just add Green Thursday too. You know, we got great promos, great deals all week on ease.com. Use the promo code HAM, guy. Use the promo code HAM, and the deals just never stop flowing. Pre-rolls, vapes, uppers, downers, sleep aids, you name it, they got it. Promo code HAM, ease.com, promo code HAM, promo code HAM. Ease.com is the delivery within hours. Uh, EaseWellness.com is the CBD within a date, within a couple of days. Promo code HAM applies to all first-time users. If you're already a user, uh, share it with somebody else. It's great. Do it. Podcast also brought to you by Seat Geek. The promo code there, you know it. It's ham. It gets you ten bucks off your first order at Seat Geek. Get the app. Use the code ham. Ten bucks off. It's really easy to use, right? You download the Seat Geek app. Uh, green dots mean good. Red dots mean bad. The, uh, concerts, comedy shows, games. You want to get yourself a little Niner playoff game? You need that little ten dollar discount, guy. Game could be pricey. Uh, game could be pricey. Was that basically Seat a free beer at the game? <laughs> right? Uh, no. And no. Now it's, and the beers are, you know, like $12, $14. Okay. I mean, get some, uh, some chicken fingers or, you know, chicken fingers and fries, which I had. Not plus bad. you support the pod. We appreciate, you know, that's, that's yeah, another part just, of this. It just helps you out. You know, promo code ham, download the Seeky app. You use it. I use it. We all use it. Big green dot. Easy. Big green dot. Bye, bye, bye. Little red dot. No, no, no. Pretty simple. Get it on, baby. Yeah. Can I uh, can I read you as we get into the Raiders a tweet that just came out? Yeah. Raiders wide receiver Hunter Renfro. Remember the big hit that he took when he just got molly whopped kind of from yeah, behind? I do. Broke a rib and punctured his lung oh. on that hit. Just a rookie. Uh Renfro is blah blah blah. It's unclear how long he'll be out. I seem to say he's gone. He's a tough little fucker. Damn, dude. That, uh, that's a Yeah, big I loss. saw the hit, and it was like, oh, he got hit in the head. You know, it's, it's like, no, he didn't get hit in the head. He got hit in the body. He got crushed oh. in the back, on the side. That had to hurt. And he's pretty tough. He laid there for a minute. I'm like, God, that did not look like it felt good. No. Say this for the Jets. I don't even think that was Jamal Adams. They got a couple guys just, you know, and they're like, mean green. When they're flying around, you're like, God, it was pretty cool to watch these green jerseys just crush people. Yeah. Broke his rib. So the, the the Raiders now have like one credible receiver. I, I John, I wish they had Jamal Adams. Who the Raiders? Yeah. Yeah, they need him. Should they have traded two first round picks and a second round pick like uh they wanted Jerry to trade him? You mean after he was a Jet? No. I but you just gotta you got to go get that guy in the draft. And, in free, you know, we talked a lot coming into the week about the Smith brothers for the Packers. They did – I think they combined for two sacks. I think one of them had one and a half, and the other one had a half. 
against the Niners on Sunday night. Like, the Raiders just have to upgrade this defense to have a shot. Like, we'll see them against the – we'll talk more about the Chiefs game on the next pod. But, uh, look, they had three picks in the first round. They used two of them on defensive players. The offensive pick they made, they nailed, clearly. They got Max Crosby nailed. They just – they can't take their foot off the gas, though, when it comes to acquiring defensive talent. Well, And, I got, I think, don't, and I, don't you think Gruden is going to want to go get some guys that are ready to play right now? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's going to want to win next year because they've swung and missed on a lot of players, and there's still a big unknown on like Jonathan Abram, who clearly is an NFL player, you know, who is really talented. But to me, his style, like I watch uh, Jamal Adams, he's a little bit more under control as a hitter. Obviously, he's just a better, you know, went to LSU, blue chipper. Jonathan Abram, you know, became a first round pick, but he was Mississippi State guy, late twenties. Jamal Adams, early single, di- you know, six overall pick. Do you see Jamal or Jonathan Abram? Why I didn't love the pick was because he really hangs his hat on one thing: killing people. Which again, in football, I love. How is he going to do that though? He, his style needs to adapt. That's you watch football all day, Saturday, Sunday. What is the number one thing they throw flags on? Big hits. Anytime the head is even close, they throw it. Now sometimes they take it back. There was a college game where they called targeting. I forget and they the undid game. it really fast. It was the uh, what uh, game was it? Pac-12 game. Yeah, was dude it got the dude Oregon? got destroyed. Was it Colorado, uh, Washington? Could have been. Was it? SC, it was UCLA? late. It was, no, I feel like it was a later night game, don't you? Than SC UCLA. B- but it was a crushing hit, and it turned out it was just pure yeah, shoulders. It was totally clean. They took it back. It, it but, was one of those well, they threw the flag on the field and they reviewed it, and it was. Um, what game was Roxy doing? Oregon State, Washington State? That's what it was. But what's their first reaction on that hit? Even though you could kind of feel it right when he hit him, it was pretty clean. Flag down. Yeah. Yeah. That's just that's the way football it was is a lot of officiated. Fifty four fifty three was the final score. Leach won, right? Game winning yeah. touchdown. Running play. Oh, to the little uh I always call him Corgi like the dog, but what's his last name? Yeah, it's Borgie, that's right. Yeah, I like that guy. Um uh, I, I just – they can't cover anybody. They get limited pass rush against any decent offensive line. You can't be that shitty on defense because they'd be like, well, the Chiefs do it. Well, they're, the Chiefs' offense is in a different fucking planet than you. Like you, Your offense, sneaky, isn't that great. Like, can you depend on your quarterback when it gets cold? What happens when you can't run? You know, well, we'll just add new receivers. So you're going to use one of your first-round picks on a wide receiver? So your defense is still going to be really shitty? I I think they're they're missing on some of these. Like, Cleveland Farrell being bad is a problem, guy. That's it, a big, big problem. Jonathan Abram better become like a lockdown safety or else that's a problem. Mullins, I get it's his first couple starts. He looks not good. Carl Joseph, who actually was good when he came in, is hurt. He's a free agent as well. I like LaMarcus Joyner a lot. They do. They sign from from the Rams, so that's a good building block. They, guy, they who are their linebackers? Their linebacker. They haven't had a credible middle linebacker since you and I have been doing this. No. Nope. So you got, where are you going to find him? You got to use a draft pick. And well, they, they got the guy. They, his, got, they got. They uh, got. You know, they got a guy coming back off season long suspension. Oh, he's, yeah, you're right. <laughs> the, here's the thing with with middle linebackers. 
historically, if there's not a Keekly Ray Lewis, a guy that you would take, like, felt really good of in the first round, uh, the dude from uh, the Steelers, Devin Bush, you can get guys in the second and third rounds. Eric Kendricks. Fred, Fred Warner. Warner. Yeah. Navarro Bowman. Uh, Bobby Wagner. Like, that. that is kind of a sweet spot. Pick, like, 50 to 80 for linebackers. But you, you got to pick them. What, the Raiders never pick linebackers. Like, hey, guys, you, you guys might want to value this position. It's a pretty valuable position, guy. They they help you a lot in the run game. And if the guy is a good athlete, he can cover fucking people in the passing game. And the Raiders don't stop either one very well. They, they need to get a middle linebacker. But are they going to value that more than pass rusher? Because they could easily justify, well, we've taken a million pass rushers the last three or four of them, four years. Well, beside Mad Max, is it, are any of them good? Cleveland Farrell's not. Now you could say he's a rookie. But let's just say it kind of feels like best case is going to be like a Solomon Thomas type. He'll just play but not do much. Arden Key was coming on, but he got hurt again. Mohurst is just a rotational guy. P.J. Hall, you couldn't point him out of a lineup. They just they got issues, man. In a conference, or just in a division where have you, Mahomes guy is pretty good. It's last time I checked, I don't think he's leaving anytime soon. So you're going to have to, if you are going to ever win the division or consistently make the playoffs, you're going to have to beat that team. How are you beating that guy? And Gruden even said, I think after the first game and definitely this offseason, we got to, we got to, they're, they're our matchup. How can we beat the Chiefs? Right. If you can think like that, you can be successful. But that's, it's going to be hard this offseason because Gruden's the offensive coordinator. He's going to be like, I want offense, right? I, I understand it. Like, I, I don't blame him. Like, take LaVisca Chanel or take Jerry Judy. I get it. But is that the best thing to do? Well, I think especially right now, when you look at the Chiefs, you say, can we be better than them on offense right now? The thing you no. can't, the door is open to be better than them on defense, though. Right? But they already got, like, they got Frank Clark. They got Chris Jones. I, I know. They got Honey Badger. Like, they do have a couple core pieces that are be- way better than any core piece you have. That's where I think the Raiders, you know, they saved all this money on Khalil Mack. You're going to have to go get a Preston Smith. Whoever your version, go get, trade for Luke Keekley. I, I don't know, do something. Trade for uh, Eric Armstead or DeForest Buckner? If I was the 49ers, I'd think about giving him Buckner for like pick 15. Would you give him Buckner for pick 15? Is he going to be on my football team in two years? He's under contract for $14 million next year. Is he Let's on my gonna... team in 2021? Maybe, but you have to franchise him. You know, it just gives you flexibility. This is If you're going to compare Belichick to Shanahan, if you said Bill Belichick was the coach of the 49ers, would Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner, both, when you have Bosa, both be on this team in two or three years? He'd pick one, and you'd get rid of the other. Right. And he'd leverage it to get a haul. Because you could get a haul for either one. 15 or I get 15 and a second. Yeah, you're not. No. That's a haul. I mean, a haul is more than one pick. 15's a haul. 15 is just a sweet pick. Uh, To me, haul is more than one pick. 15 for a guy that you drafted eight and who has to be paid is pretty good value. Yeah. Like, you can't. Yeah, you're right. A haul is more than one pick. It's a good trade. Like, they got Frank Clark for a first-round pick. Like, that's a good trade. Getting getting 15 for DeForest Buckner is a good trade. But the Raiders would say, well, he's our fucking best defensive player. It'd be a win-win. 
It would now, no. It, I would do that. I would be more likely to do that deal if I were the Raiders. I think give up fifteen for DeForest Buckner. To me, that's an easier decision for them. I think because I think the Niners, Niners would say, "Okay, so we got picked twenty-eight and fifteen. What if we miss pick fifteen? Like we do have DeForest Buckner right now, and he's a legit starter, a legit stud." To me, it's as simple as does does Parag tell John and Kyle guys. He, Buckner or Armstead, one of these guys is going to have to go. Because of what we have to pay Kittle, and then we're going to have to buy other players, we don't have the unlimited cash. If that's the conversation, and and DeForest Buckner becomes a known trade piece, can they get a better offer than 15? No. I'd say 15 feels like it's about... About as good as you can get. Yeah. And I'd feel okay about that if I were the Raiders. Typically with guys like him... It's but, in the 20s. But, John, like you said, part of the reason you're trading him is because he's going to have to get paid. So are the how much is he getting paid? Uh, you know, 50, 60 million. You know, Vegas money. That's what everyone's Yeah, I mean, you, but I'm just saying, like, you're going to have to, you're giving up 15 and you have to pay the guy. Yeah. And to me, that's, okay, we're not going to win a bidding war for $90 million, guys. Fine. Well, they... Just look at the history. That's usually how it works. Like really good players, like a Frank Clark, Jimmy Graham, whoever, get traded for a you know a first round pick in the twenties, and then that team pays them. Well, it's what happened to Khalil Mack. I'm just saying, there's two parts to this deal, right? You do have to have the ability to pay the guy or the willingness. Yeah, whatever. It but is. how else do you improve? Either take a defensive well, lineman or yeah, we'll draft, trade for yeah. a guy, or just wait around for the draft, which is exhausting if you're John Gruden. I know, and us. He looks exhausted. Did you see that he said he screamed at the ref, called him a cocksucking motherfucker? No. It went viral yesterday. What? Because they, 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 yeah. I was too busy going viral myself. <laughs> how many, how many retweets so far? Uh, you know, slow down. We're at uh, two hundred five thousand views. Only sixteen hundred retweets and nine thousand likes as of uh, Monday afternoon. That's not a bad little ratio. Not, How many yeah, views? Bad. Do you know what you uh, should have done? If you, two two hundred five thousand. If you, you would have known that it was going to go viral, like uh, embed in the video at Untuck It at SeatGeek, at something hashtag promo, promo code, code ham. ham. Yeah. But you, you, that's the thing about going viral. You truly never quite know when you will go viral. There's some things I put some videos I put out there. I'm like these are great, and it's just. You know, doesn't get many bites. I would say a sweet play does pretty on like a primetime game. The night of, and if the player and that team wins, and the players are talking about it, and somehow you end up on his timeline and he sees it, you just might get. He's just so fired up. Boom! Just retweet it. You know, right? right. That changed the game. Yeah, you are riding an emotional wave. Yeah, I, I think you rode. Sherman's emotional wave of excitement of just right. kicking oh, ass. To- yes, totally. It was doing fine. Like it was a nice little, nice little tweet. Yeah, but uh, Sherman took it to the next level, which I appreciate. Uh, all right, we'll talk more about the Chiefs game next pod. Cowboys, you think they got some issues? They are. They are always in this position where they're a playoff team and they play Thursday night against the Bills, which 
Could they lose this game on Thursday? Thursday afternoon. It's a one thirty game. One million percent, yes. I actually think it's a losable game. Like, how are they going to score? Hold on, I got the spread right here. Unless you have it in I think front it was of like you. seven. Seven. I kind of like the Bills plus seven. <laughs> you got to bet $120 to win 100 though, on Bills plus seven. So even Vegas is saying, we're giving you seven, but it's fucking the biggest big. So you wanted to win 1000 you have to bet 1200 to win 1000 Like it's They're charging you for it. That line's a little strong. To me, that line should be about four and a half, five, right? The yeah. Bills are clearly one of the best events in the league. Cowboys just played in a slugfest in the you know Donner Party weather. <laughs> they had to travel back. That's not an easy... I kind of like the Bills in this game, guy. Well, if the Cowboys lose, they're 6-6. Six and six. They're 6-5 six and five going into this game. Bills are 8-3. Uh, and three. It's going to make it all the more frustrating for the Eagles if the Cowboys were to lose this game because the Eagles are 5-6. and six. <laughs> uh, Dallas, though, I do think is clearly the best team in that division, but, you know, it's just – they'd be 6-6. Six and six. I still think they're making the playoffs. So it's like if they make the playoffs as a what's – their, what's their record going to be? Are they going to win seven. nine games? 9-7, and seven, yeah. After they play the Bills, they go to Chicago. They play the Rams at home. They go to the Eagles, and they play the Redskins at home. So you'd say beside the Redskins, they don't have any just cut-and-paste Ws. No. Like they could lose all these games, or yeah. they could win a couple. The Bears game looks like it's Sunday night football. If somehow the Cowboys don't win the division, and... The Eagles do, who clearly just aren't very good this year. Jason Garrett is a lock to get fired. It feels like after Jerry Jones, who spoke after the game, that blamed special teams and said it was a reflection of coaching, has had enough. He's like, the talent's there. Well, of course he's saying that. He's the general manager. But even if the Cowboys make the playoffs, if they lose in the first round, Garrett's done. But I, I, and we've talked about this for so long. that Really? If If they go to the playoffs, he's done? He doesn't have a contract next year. They're going to bring him back, just a one-and-done coach who wins the division at 9-7? and seven? I don't know. I just – Jerry has held on for so long. I, but my, I get back to who's he going to hire? Yeah. And I, 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 who are all these teams going to hire? Who are the coaches this year? Like, I don't think Lincoln Riley's going to leave. So, if Lincoln Riley's not – who are you hiring? Matt Rule? Is Matt Rule a lock to be in the NFL next year? Because when you start looking at the candidates, you go, yeah, he probably is. I think he's a pretty good candidate, too. Every, I people, think so, too. Yeah. I've heard good things about him, and clearly he's done a really good job at Baylor, and he did a good job at Temple. And as you said when we talked about him last time, has NFL experience, specifically with the Giants, so he knows the division. I think he'd be a good choice. It's, you don't think it's going to be Kellen Moore anymore? But maybe they keep Kellen Moore on, because for yeah. the most part, their offense hasn't been the issue. But he's uh, not getting a head coaching job. No, no, those those days are over. But who who else like is Robert Sala getting a job? Because I still would lean no. Right, teams are too predicated on well, offense. And he's yeah, just a I would one say and, no. One and year do you wonder, fi- it's do you fire Jason Garrett for somebody that has not been a head coach? Has not. I just now you would argue well their issue. You know, let's get this defense fixed and our offense can hang around. But you got to pay. Dax, you're going to pay Dak and not bring in an offensive head coach unless you think that Kellen can handle it. 
I just think for them, given the pressure in that situation, that'd be it'd be tough. I don't know that he wouldn't do it. I just don't know if that's I mean, I don't know that Robert I'm not saying Robert wouldn't have success. I just don't know if that's really that doesn't feel like a fit at this juncture for the Cowboys. If they're firing a coach after a playoff run. Do you think Lincoln Riley's gonna leave Oklahoma? No. Feels a little early for that. It also feels like there are gonna be names. You know, that early part of January when people are interviewing, you're going to be like, they're interviewing Hugh? Not Hugh, but who? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Though, I I wouldn't mind Hugh with the Washington Redskins. Like Brian Schottenheimer with Seattle. Does he get interviews this offseason, guy? He's not the next Cowboys coach. No, but I'm just saying, like, who? But I'm just saying, who is even Jerry talking to? Like, beside Matt Rule, who are his fucking options? If Lincoln Riley's like, listen, Jerry, I, I don't even need you as leverage. I'm already getting $9 million. They, they think I'm a god around this place. I freaking love it here. I'm only 36, so I got times on my side, baby. I'm not leaving. Like, where does Jerry, where's the drawing board? Uh, they walk into the whiteboard, him and Steve, and they write Matt Rule. Who are his other names? Harbaugh? Could you see Jim and Jerry working at this stage in time of Jerry's life? No. Jer- Jerry talks after every game. Urban Meyer, maybe calls him. I don't think that would be crazy, but could Urban handle the stress of the Cowboys? That's pretty intense. Jerry breathing down your neck. I, it honestly feels like Matt rules the just because he would take the job unless they'd offer Urban Meyer the job. Would you rather have Urban Meyer or Matt Rule? Because Urban would be Matt risky. Rule. He's never coached in the NFL. Matt Rule. But you can't deny that Urban's a great coach. Correct. You just don't trust him in the league. I just would rather just just have a, a cleaner slate and easier. Let's just, let's just, yeah, let's let's not go down Do you, that road. You you don't feel like he's a lock to get fired, Jason? Why? No, I mean, does he just work without a contract next year? Given, no, I mean, he would get a contract then. He'd have to get a contract. What would they do? Give him like a two-year little bump? Yeah. I mean, they've been doing deals with him and his agent for twenty years. You know, I, all Jerry wants him to do is just fucking get to the Super Bowl this year. I don't give a shit if we go eight and eight if we make the playoffs. The Super Bowl, playoffs. John. If he just gets to the NFC Championship game, they haven't been to the NFC Championship game since Troy Aikman was the quarterback. You feel they're getting the NFC Championship game? No, but I'm just saying it doesn't have to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I, do you think the Cowboys are a really good job when you factor in how crazy and intense it is with the owner? Because it is kind of, it is a unique situation. Like yeah, Jen look, having I think it's a good job, but the fact having the richest owner, like it's not like having the most the the most wealthy booster. Like it only gets you so much, right? Yeah, the, the finances don't really matter. Beside what he can pay you, and if you're taking the Cowboys' job, you're already making a lot. And especially so he, if you're like an offensive, like there's a number of jobs out there where first time head coaches get personnel control. You ain't getting right? that. Yeah, you're not getting that. So, but here's the counter. You have Dak Prescott. You have a good offensive line. You got a good running back under contract. You've got good players on defense. Like, like you got good players. It does feel a little bit a better version of what the 49ers were when Harbaugh showed up. Because Dak's way more established than Alex was at the time. Like, a coach would think that I can show up and win. And that, that to me, is probably the determining factor of why maybe I'm underselling how optimistic guys would look at this job. Like, I, I can fucking win there. Look at the division. Giants suck. 
Redskins are the worst franchise in the NFL now. I mean, the Eagles, Carson Wentz got issues. It's not, it's kind of, you actually might see some guys lick their lips. Like, if Lincoln Riley was kind of wired, like, I'm just ready to leave, it would be a pretty no-brainer job for him, right? Also, anybody with, like, an ounce of ego would be like, this would be badass. (laughs) Right? Would you say it's a top five just publicity job in America? Yeah, I mean, look, if if, if we talk about the Giants job like it's attractive, then this job is better. I think it's a better job. You agree with that? Better One job, Giants. Million. Okay. okay. When you factor in players, when you factor in even pre Gettleman, like not even Gettleman. Just well, I, well, I think Jerry and Steven know what they're doing football wise. They would say, "Well, shit, we look at all the players we've kind of picked the last ten years. Th- their issues not acquiring talent, paying talent, keeping talent, facilities, resources. They they got it all. Uh, yeah, and I will say, well, even though I said like you know how rich your owner is doesn't matter. It it, it kind of just your quality of life if he likes you. <laughs> you use the jet for whatever you need. Your office is awesome. You have a restaurant. I mean, the whole thing. So, yeah, I think it's a good job. I do. It's a high-pressure job, but that doesn't high-pressure doesn't mean bad. Oh, they meddle with the players. Well, they pay the good ones, and they draft more. Jim Harbaugh, Cowboys coach, would be pretty sweet. It'd be amazing, man. I don't think Because you know what Jerry would out. love is the who's got it better than us. Would, does he still do that? I don't know. That was cool while it lasted. Yeah, my, my, my guess would be Matt Rule. My guess would be Matt Rule. Because I'm assuming Lincoln won't take it. And I'm pretty sure either Steven's son's committed or he's already there at Oklahoma. So they, I mean, they know Lincoln. He definitely went on a recruiting visit where Steven was like hanging out with Lincoln. Yeah. Hey, could we uh, grab a little bite to eat just ourselves later? <laughs> I got Who's paying? Dad. Pops wants me to run something by you. How, how is this a write-off? Steven, is this a business How often does Steven drop that line? Like, yeah, Jer- Jerry just wanted me to run something by you. He calls well, I love that you call him Jerry. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it be, be a fun offseason. A uh, couple other games. So we got the Bills-Cowboy game. Here's our the, the full Thursday schedule. Is 9.30, John, Bears-Lions. So this you'll be in Hawaii. This will be – are we two hours? Have we determined what you're going to be? Time two, zone? Two, yeah, two. 7.30 a.m., Bears-Lions. Uh, Hawaii time. You can watch this one from the beach. I will. Then you got the Not. 1.30 Bills-Cowboys. <laughs> then you got Saints-Falcons at 5.20 p.m. Pacific. These are the, the all-time specific. How would you rank these games of just Guy Haberman wants to watch? Because I would just uh, – I'd go Bills-Cowboys 1. 3A, 3B. Yeah, Bills-Cowboys 1, 3. Bills-Cowboys 3. Uh, Bears-Lions 3A, Saints-Falcons 3B. No chance Bears-Lions ends up at 3, but Saints-Falcons could end up at 3. Yeah, could be like a shootout and be fun. Honestly, the most attractive part of all these ga- of these three games to me is is simply I haven't seen the Bills that much. I've seen the Lions. I've seen the Bears. I've seen the Saints. Now, 50-50 Falcons make it a game, but they shouldn't. They just get their ass kicked by Tampa. It is at home. I I do think Jeff Driscoll and Trubisky is going to be tough on the eyes. You're just like drinking some coffee, maybe having a little croissant. You're like, this sucks. Well, there's nothing like this game's terrible. You know what? I can give my family the attention they deserve. But then you're just like, I'd just rather watch the terrible game. 
<laughs> that's what that's where I always lean. I'll just watch it. Yeah, Clippers Rockets Christmas night. Yeah, just I'm I'm good. I'll just watch this. Is the NBA a playing tournament this week or is that? No, I think. <laughs> what a stupid idea! Really quick on those. Yeah. On what level of ideas did you think any of them were good? Can you run the ideas by me? Because I honestly hated them so much, I didn't deep dive any of them. Okay, well, we'll end with the playing tournament. There was that this. These, I think they were just like Bill Simmons' column from like '05. He just stole the ideas. <laughs> it was the seven plays the ten and the eight plays the nine to get in. Yeah, like it was part a one of like game, to make, a one game, a one gamer. I think a one gamer. Oh, yeah. sure. What the hell? Do it. Uh, I actually season, don't. Serious answer. I don't like that idea because the eight seed. I think. I don't know if history would bear this out. Is typically. I don't know if they're significantly more competitive than the ten seed, but they're usually clearly a better basketball team. Yeah, I don't want ten seeds sneaking in and ruining series. Would be this? It'd be the Not, seven I mean, versus the, the ten. You'd say the seven historically is dramatically yeah, better than the see, ten. Yeah, see, I can't. I, now is the two is the seven beating the two anyway? I just I don't want to see the ten. The ten. You know how bad the ten seed usually is. Well, I know. Like I know. Well, guy, that's he's a bad, desperate. That's a no, no one's watching idea. the NBA right now. Well, that's so not got, the solution. He's well. He's going to diminish the season, which is smart. But I was like, oh, like By sixty-five three games, games, seventy-eight. So it's like, uh, okay, four that's games. Nothing. And then the play-in tournament. And one of the quotes was, just like anything in sports, it'll take time to build tradition, but we think people will care. Can, can I give my take really quick on this? Wait a second. The play-in tournament is the 7 versus 10 thing? or is that No, no. Different? The play-in tournament is just a tournament like starts right now for the next like three weeks. And it's just yeah. you get a champion, a mid-season champion. Oh, so it's like soccer. They want to make it like... Yeah, like kind of like EPL-y. Okay. You know? And my takeaway is Adam. And every one of you fucking guys in the league office with these bright ideas that you stole from Simmons. Your average NBA player, I Googled this the other day, average NBA salary, right? The, in 2019, according to NBA reference, over $7 million. You're on your guys that are on non-rookie deals that are quote-unquote your all-stars, you know, your top 25 players. Off the top of my head, I would say the average salary of that group is about $25 million. With several guys in the top 10 of the guys that are the stars of your league, averaging between 30 and $40 million a year. They already have kind of been like, the regular season doesn't mean dick. And people like me and you say it, because it doesn't mean anymore they're just judged off titles. But they, they live it now. They fucking rest. They don't give a shit. If you watch a lot of games, they don't really even try. You think that they are going to care about some in-season tournament when they make all this money and someone's like the idea the winning team they each get a million dollars each or something well yeah that might mean something to the 12th man that doesn't play a goddamn minute but if you think a million dollars to curry or lebron curry just bought a 28 million dollar house and house in atherton the million dollars would pay for like his property taxes they don't give a shit you, 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 the nba's problem guy is a wealth problem they have so many games, and baseball fights this too, even though it's a little different, because in the NBA, you really got to try in a game. In baseball, you can be an outfielder and just kind of go cruise control during a game. In basketball, it's, you either kind of got to try or you're just not trying. There's not really much in between. Their guys make so much money that they've been de- like It's just like, why does this matter? And they know that most people like me and you and fans, like regular season doesn't matter. But it does from an entertainment standpoint, which well, yeah, it's, ultimately is. how you make is. a lot of your money. 
And it's how you get people really... invested in the playoffs by the buildup of a season that gets, you know, you learn the storylines, you learn the players, you learn the teams. Well, that's why okay, here we go. I think they now here's the big it... fight scene at the end. They quoted in the in the in the article, I think about the playing tournament, like a little like football, because obviously they're jealous of how much football builds up. And Haberman nailed this seven years ago. The 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 setup of the sport, football didn't create or you know it's just it's just natural, right? Well, they yeah, play they'd play every day if they could. The owners would play five days a week if you let them. Yeah, I mean, just basically, they do four now, right? But I just mean like they play everybody. Every teams would play thirty games if they if the owners could pull it off. They just can't. And honestly, it's probably it might be better for their business that they don't. Yes. What what does basketball do? Are they just screwed? Because for six months it doesn't really matter, guy. I know. I don't. I I I don't know if there's a way to just. And this is where I understand, like. If I'm a player, I want free agency and as much guaranteed money and all that. But what is best for a sport and what's best for a player, those two things don't always align. I wonder if there's a way. It's hard. I, how, you just like somehow just squeak, just clamp down on free agency. What do you, you mean? Like, because well, you just. I think one thing that free agency is fun while it's free agency, but I think it's good for a sport to have individual players on specific teams for a long period of time and those fans of that player and of that team become the same. So you're invested in winning, not just, I want to watch my favorite player. I'm watching a team and I want that team to win. And it matters to me that that team wins. And so the Pacers have Reggie Miller and the Knicks have John Starks and Patrick Ewing and the Bulls have Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. And if I like the Knicks, I hate the Pacers and I hate the Bulls and I, Right, and just th- like that. Now it's like, I hated Kyrie three teams ago, but he's changed teams, so I don't even care about the Nets. You're like, how do I'm I even Ky- keep up well, with it? But like, now you're just a Kyrie fan, and it's like, yeah, the Nets are cool, the Celtics were cool, the Cavs were cool, whatever. I just want to see Kyrie do some sweet shit. Too, like, much well, indif- can, too much indifference right now I can get the, I can catch the sweet shit on Twitter. I don't need to tune in for that. No, you don't, because it just goes viral. But the it's wins kinda- and the losses, you got to tune in for. The game... Like, the game is something that you have to tune in for the result of the game. Like, I can watch an NFL game, and OBJ gets no targets, but it's 21-20, and that's a good-ass football. I don't. It's okay that OBJ didn't get any targets. Can you imagine watching, like, you watch a Laker game, and LeBron's not shooting, and it's like, what are we doing here? Sucks. Now, it's, you know, but the point is just, like, I think player movement to a point helps the sport because it's fun and people love being GMs. But if your best players are the ones that are constantly moving, that is bad for your sport. Well, guy, I think like 15 of the top 30, especially if your best players move four times each. Well, think how many times Kyrie, Kevin Durant, uh, Chris Paul have just moved in the last handful of years. Think of all the guys, Jimmy Butler. Like, think of the players that have just moved all around, guy. LeBron's been on three teams in five years. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm thinking of him. You know, I think the Anthony Warriors Davis, are easy to teams. love and they're easy to hate. If you hate the Warriors, it's like, I hate Steph. He jig- he does a little jiggle thing. And I hate Draymond. He talks too much. And Clay, no one hates him, but whatever. It's just easy. It is an easy script to follow. And this is what, it's like, Think of it like a movie. We need scripts. We need characters. There's gangs. Everybody has a side. You pick your side, and now we all go at it. I and agree. I think free agency really kills that. Really kills it. Well, because wouldn't you say free agency in basketball has kind of jumped the shark a little bit? To a point. And I, yeah, exactly. Free agency. Because like Sha- Shaq to LA was good, right? But 
if Shaq, yeah, if if there were seven Shaqs and they all leave all the time, it's like that's not ideal. A part if of like Shaq what just they signed Shaq, two year contracts and bailed. Yeah, Shaq had like an eight year career for a Laker, so you just viewed him as a Laker. Like Kobe and Shaq became a thing. It wasn't like well, Kobe and Shaq played together for three years and. Then, Kobe went to the Cavs and Shaq went to the fucking Sonics. And then, you know, it's, it, it, it's player empowerment is cool for Twitter. It doesn't play for ratings. Well, it's cool for players. It's great for players. I, that's, I'm, it's, it's not about keeping players down. It's just about the best thing for the sport isn't necessarily that the players get whatever they want. Yes. You never, you never want the employees to have too much juice because it just hurts stuff. Now there's a balance. Well, yeah, the question is like, why does the league exist? Well, the players say, think it's well, just because of them. Well, yeah, I'm not saying who. I'm saying who does it exist for? The masses have different agendas than the players. The players want to make as much money as they can. Some of them, you know, really want to win. What? Are, and that's I'm not even knocking. Like, yeah, go get your money. Like, I'm not telling a guy. But I'm just saying that does not run parallel to the best entertainment for the fans. Good call. And I think the guy. issues the league is having is not so much about social. I think it's about that. Like, it's hard to follow the scripts. It's hard to be invested in. Here's who I love. Here's who I ate. Like, sports are... Like, I tweeted this the other day. It was NBA-related, but, like, I tweeted what Twitter thinks everybody loves and what everybody loves. And what Twitter thinks everyone loves, I tweeted the gif of Tom Brady laughing and looking for someone to high-five. Like, ah! But what everybody really loves, like what fans who have season tickets really love, is not the ha high five gifts. It's Tom Brady yelling, let's fucking go at somebody. Like that's what gets a fan invested in a sport. Not like clever t- that and like calendars with well, players guy, holding but it's dogs. Been, it's been proven because what, what ultimately, if I'm really diving deep to what that symbolizes is Twitter's, you know, kind of a place where the soft and the PC thrive and you log off and you go talk to real people. You're like, God, I, everyone's saying one thing on Twitter. And then I talk to real people and they're like, I hate taxes. But everyone on Twitter is like, tax, tax everybody. And then you meet everyone's like, God, these fucking nut jobs. Like California, bunch of hippies. Like, I don't know any hippies. I've been, lived here 30 years. You know, it's just, I, I just think there's a stretch. No, I'm you not saying Davis, like, everyone, How do you not, I know plenty of hippies. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, I know some too. But my point is, like, it's just, I think what people think on social media is so much different than the real world, consistently. It's why we've always talked about, because we were at a place well, for a while that, like, let social media dictate the way you thought. It's like, what are we doing? This is so stupid. Don't If you, if you play to social media, you'll be wrong every fucking time. And I think the NBA got in bed with thinking the internet was, because te- that's where they always got kind of their... Their reach arounds every day because it wasn't the, the ratings were dipping, and fo- think about football was the opposite for a while. Everyone attacked football, war on football, and the media was going nuts. It's like, hey guys, you better be careful. The football provides a lot of these jobs for a lot of you guys. They're freaking out, and I get it. The media is journalists, and they don't quite think like that. Well, but, but I, you know, I don't think Twitter's always wrong. I think sometimes uh, Jason Garrett should have gone for it on fourth and seven. I agree with Twitter there. Yeah, so sometimes <laughs> legitimate legitimately progressive ideas that come that don't come from the masses like it's funny because sometimes twitter feels like it's the masses and sometimes the masses actually are not what twitter thinks twitter it's weird that and i say twitter but I, social media. I, I just think most people in general politically sports wise whoever are just in the middle 
So the, the things on Twitter and social media tend to be just really extremes. Most people are not extremes. Most people just extremes are just are outlier yeah. situations. Yeah. I think it's I'm really thinking, that I'm thinking through my head of examples. I, I think um, I think Twitter becomes extreme because in order to have your opinion heard, it has to be biggest and the baddest the boldest here's my bold takes right so why that like i always say if, if some sports talks somebody's tell, here's my bold my bold picks it's like well that's just a pick they don't actually believe they're telling you right there that they don't believe well it. it's why like me saying that matt slater's a hall of famer am, am i trying to get a rise out of people or do i have a legitimate argument seven time team captain well there's a middle seven time right? pro bowler you might just be wrong you might believe it and be wrong too yeah i'm wrong a lot no no but i'm not even making a comment about, i'm just saying it might be neither. You might not be trying to get a rise, and you might not be right. But, but I that's the problem the great, is the it's hard to tell about, the difference sometimes now. Like, the great part about sports on, like, real-life stuff, like, we can tell, like, that project didn't work. Like, Marin County's fucked up. They don't build any low-income housing. Like, there are just black-and-white things. In sports, it's like, well, is LeBron better than Kobe? I think he is. But, like, we could have... That's the great part about sports arguments. They're just kind of evergreen. You can just argue them for... People can come back and forth. And that's where I think baseball is kind of fucked up because they've cut that out. It's like, well, that's not true. <laughs> you know, well, it's, it's, it's not black and white. I heard it's, J.P. Morosi and Mad Dog have a good one over Lou Whitaker's Hall of Fame candidacy today. So that, that Mad Dog, he still exists for Mad Dog, which I appreciate. Yeah, he's one of the rare ones. Morosi made it. A, I, I'm a big J.P. guy. So uh, big Michigan guy. But I feel you. Well. Jags are sticking with Foles. How about that headline, huh? Want to hit that real quick? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, on that note, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We appreciate happy the support. We're thankful for you, the listener. Really. I mean, this thing has grown and grown and grown and keeps growing. And uh, share it. We every I love every time I see somebody sharing it. So keep it up. Love you. Was that to me or to the listener? Uh, to the listeners. Oh, okay. I love the people. Love the consumer. Awkward. See ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.